Hey everyone, this is your host Kevin Young, and this is the Paragon Project, episode two of season two. Today, I really want to go into what makes healthy relationships and self-love because I do believe that these topics are very big topics of focus nowadays, um, especially for people my age or uh, late twenties, early thirties, because we're being introduced to. Of so many people and trying to fit in and trying to feel like we belong, that sometimes I feel like we disregard ourselves to have a better quote unquote relationship. I have brought someone on who is very, very qualified to talk about relationships and self love. So, Mary, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Mary Davis. I am a licensed professional counselor at Thrive Work Short Pump. Perfect. And um, let's talk a little bit about your experience, how you got to this position and your social work you did before this this oh, uh, position. Oh, sure. Um, I've been a licensed professional counselor since 2016, um, and I've been doing outpatient therapy since that time. Prior to that, I've got about 15 to 20 years of mental health experience. Uh, I worked uh, for a local social services agency, and I did um, foster care. So I worked with families and getting them prepared to be foster parents. I've done community-based work, meaning I go into people's homes and provide in-home counseling or mental health skills building for adults. I've done residential work. I've worked at a residential treatment facility for adolescents, and that was extremely eye-opening. <laughs> and then I've done clinical supervision, just trying to guide people in their process. So if they're in school or just coming out of school and they have to go through a residency, kind of like a doctor would, for licensed professional counselors, it's a two- to three-year residency. They have to complete 4,000 hours total, but they'll use their internship from when they were in school as part of that time. So it's technically 3,400 hours. Yeah, that sounds like a lot to go to be in the position you are today, and I'm really um, glad that you went through all that to become this person who you are who you are today to help these individuals out Thanks. and couples out. That's really cool. Thanks, I appreciate that. Let's go start with um, building healthy relationships. Yeah. In your opinion, what are the foundations of any healthy relationships, not just romantic? Um, any healthy relationships. This could be family. This could be friendships. Uh, this could be a romantic relationship. I know everybody has heard these before, but there's really some validity to it. There's got to be trust. Relationships require people to be in a position where they're okay to be vulnerable. If there's no trust, the vulnerability doesn't exist. So trust is essential. You've got to know a person and know who they are, as well as know who, know who you are, know yourself. And recognize if there's a trust issue, is this truly the right relationship for you? Let's look into more into the topic of trust. So what are some some uh, advice you would give to those who are in relationships and are like in a rocky position? Um, but and they have they are starting to lose that trust. What can they do to be more open and more vulnerable? Do they have to really look at themselves and start maybe evaluating some of the things they have to do for themselves before they work on the relationship and the trust aspect? Yeah, absolutely. If nothing has happened in the relationship, if the, if the relationship has been maintained the way it has, and there's these feelings of losing trust, step one is to be really self-analytical. Find out what's happening for you as a person that's creating that, that change, those feelings that you're having. A lot of times, changes like that are connected to other things. 
experiences that we've gone through in our lives, um, what we saw our parents do as our relationship role models, what we saw other people do, what we observe other couples doing now, and are there feelings of, I wish I had that, that looks better for me, sort of thing. Not any fault of the relationship, it's these thoughts that we have. So initially, it's going to be a lot of self-introspection, absolutely. Okay, with the self introspection i heard you talk about how past relationships or past experience in general really um carry into our relationships Mm -hmm. would you say it's really best for our partners or any relationship in general to know about our past so that they have like a heads up or should we just look and look at ourselves keep that to ourselves and really just work on it by ourselves well i would say i think it depends it depends on how it impacts the relationship um I would not necessarily recommend like on the first date that you give everybody the history from five to 35. Um, (laughs) That's a lot of information at one time. But if you have a history of, say, really bad breakups that has created some hesitancy for you to trust someone else, it might be beneficial for a person that you're now looking at as a possible relationship partner to be aware of that. If you've experienced relationship trauma, There are lots of people who have gone through battered and abusive relationships, sexual abuse. If those things continue to impact a person and then in turn impact the relationship, it might be worth it to be willing to share that with your partner. Again, I I wouldn't want to put anybody in a position where they're Uh, Mm re-traumatized. So I would say definitely start individually. But if it's truly impacting the relationship and you're making progress in that individually, it might be worth it to share. Okay. So let's concentrate a little bit more onto the self-love part. Uh, I want to ask you, why would people rather direct their love towards other people than themselves? Okay. Um, It's actually a really good question, and I like that question. Um, When you think about expressing love to someone else, You think about, I I can love this person no matter what. Their faults are okay with me. True? Mm -hmm. Because it sometimes we look at a person's faults and say, oh, but it makes them more endearing. Right? Like if they squeeze the toothpaste tube in the middle. Oh, but that's cute. Right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It just makes them more endearing. Where it's harder for us to do that to ourselves. Um, When we're focusing love toward ourselves. It's truly about understanding who we are as a person, who we are and what makes us up, um, what our faults are, and being able to accept our own faults as part of who we are and loving those faults despite that. Um, That can be a really difficult process because it means understanding and accepting that you've gone through some stuff. You have to kind of connect the pieces of what you've gone through that created these experiences that created possibly these faults for you and then be willing to say it's okay and that's really hard sometimes huh it's it does seem like a lot of relationship issues quote-unquote does start with yourself your past experience and other experiences and i really want the audience to know like sometimes when you're in those kind of relationships romantic or not self-reflection does really help you evaluate those relationships also absolutely and like i was really big into self-awareness and like self-love and all that stuff for a good amount of time Mm -hmm. 
And I also want other people to know, I've said this in other episodes before, that when you're on this self-improvement journey or self-love, you shouldn't be too critical on yourself. And that kind of goes into the next question I have uh, for you is how do you maintain a healthy relationship with yourself while not being self-critical? That's also really hard to do. Um, I think it's more about being accepting of who you are as a person. Sometimes we, we take for granted that other people might have the same faults, flaws, patterned behavior, and we're willing to accept it in others. If we're willing to accept it in others, why can't we be willing to accept it of ourselves? Hmm. So a lot of times I'll have conversations with clients about, are you willing to accept this behavior in your partner? Well, sure. Well, what makes it okay for them? And they'll go into their various reasons about how it makes them feel and it's really, for them, not that big of a deal. Okay, now let's turn it around and say you're demonstrating the same behavior. If it's okay for one person, why wouldn't it be okay for you? Um, And so that kind of can be thought-provoking because it makes people realize, oh yeah, it should be okay for me. Working on minimizing the need for self-perfection. Yes, okay. Um, We're genuinely very hard on ourselves and not willing to say it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay if you have a hard time trying to think of what you need to say or how to act or what to do. Um, Should I hold his hand? Should I give her a kiss? What does that mean? Um, And we kind of ruminate and, and perseverate and go on and on about it. And genuinely, it's really just okay. It's okay to be unsure. It's part of the vulnerability. Oh, okay. That's when you were talking about we sh- like about perfectionism. That really struck a chord with me, especially um, I see a lot of like college students trying to get like that perfect grade or get into like that perfect relationship, or they want everything to be like perfect. Mm-hmm. As you were talking about that with vulnerability, it I can see how it blocks being vulnerable. If you're just trying to be perfect all the time, trying to be like that alpha male or trying to be something like that, you're not allowing yourself to make those mistakes and kind of like live life in a way. And I really appreciate you saying that because that also really struck a bell with me. So I also want to go into maybe some unhealthy forms of self-love. I know you talked about perfectionism being Mm -hmm. one of those unhealthy self-forms. So what are some other things that makes an unhealthy relationship with ourselves? Um, Well, I certainly think that self-doubt is a big one. A lot of times we tend to overanalyze and overthink our own abilities and not recognize and celebrate the victories as they come, even small ones. If it's difficult for you to approach someone and say hello, and you're able to do it, do you turn around and then beat yourself up about it? Because, oh, I sounded horrible when I said that. Or do you celebrate the victory and say, I really, I did that. That was, I I accomplished that. That was great. Self-doubt and being overly critical are probably two of the main killers of self-love. I really like how you shared that. And it's like, those, um, these are unhealthy expectations for ourselves. And like, um, I guess like maybe an example of this is like, oh, if you're, going out to like a bar or a club for the first time and you wanted to talk to somebody and you finally did, but they just turned you down, are you going to be like, oh, wow, I really just suck at this. I should just, just stop going out in general. Or are you going to say, 
Well, I actually did talk to someone for once. I actually went out and did something different. I should enjoy the night. Exactly. And that's and I really like that um, perspective on that. And with that expectation, I want to jump back into healthy relationships with other people. What are healthy expectations we should have for our partners or any of any of our like friends or relationships in general? Well, I think understanding what your core foundation values are as a person. If you value trust, then trust needs to be present. If you value open, honest communication, then open, honest communication needs to be present. Um, I think a big piece to healthy relationships and those expectations are emo is emotional accountability. You feel what you feel, and I feel what I feel, and you aren't responsible for the, for the fact that I feel a certain way. Same way I'm not responsible for the fact that you feel a certain way. Owning and accepting your own feelings as your own and not the responsibility of someone else is a demonstration of a very healthy relationship. I think that respecting boundaries, if a person in a relationship has established a boundary, a preference, um, and they communicate that, that boundary should be respected. That respect in, the, in, a, in a healthy relationship is very important. Uh, I, I really like how you match expectations with values because I can see how people would sometimes try to match expectations with their partner's values instead and makes them really unhappy because you know they're like breaking their own or going against their own values to make their partner happy and it ends up like having these cracks in the relationship like they're gonna have so much resentment built up and i really like how you're talking about that i hear a lot about expectations being like a bad thing in, a, in some cases like they'll say oh you should have very little to no expectations for other people and you'll be truly happy with that and that really puzzles me in some cases what are your thoughts on that should we really minimize our expectations or just as you said stick use our values as our our guide to making these expectations right I, and this is a question that i get a lot and I, in, in realistic terms, I'm going to use some reality therapy. Realistic terms, we all come to the table with expectations. They may not be the same for every single person, but we all enter a relationship with a certain expectation. Um, if the expectation is, you know, I just want somebody I can talk to, and the person that they're with is an introvert and has a hard time expressing and being open with the communication because they do better reading a book and isolating at times. And mm. that's okay. The reality versus the expectation creates disappointment. And that disappointment can fester if it's not discussed and talked about. And that's how you establish the boundaries. That discussion about this is what I need from you Needs from a relationship are truly just expectations. Um, it's a way of saying from this interaction, I need this outcome. That's an expectation. More along the lines of like expectations, they're just there. They'll always be there. And um, Cal, you pointed that out because when people were talking about having very low or no expectations, it's, 
very confused. It was very confusing for me. Any relationship, even like non-romantic, when we enter it, we're like, oh, we'll have this friend because um, we have same classes together or we're in the same club. Mm-hmm. And that's like a very basic default expectation. And but even the absence of an expectation is an expectation. Yeah, that's that's true. I didn't I didn't really think about that. I really really liked how you pointed that out. I want to jump into another question I have regarding uh, healthy relationships. Is are there some things your clients believe in that are unhealthy to have in a relationship, or are actually really healthy to have? Like they're just like they just trick themselves in thinking that, or maybe yeah. Um, if you think about uh, relationships. A lot of times it's a personal time. People get into a relationship and think we have to do everything together. We have to do, you know, this sport together or this activity together. And it's really okay to have time apart and be an individual while still being in a relationship. Okay. And I liked how you talked about individualism inside the relationship. Uh, I guess a lot of people, when they jump into a relationship, they want to do everything together and become one person mm-hmm. with that partner. What are some tips you would you tell your clients when they're having difficulty separating their own individual uh, life and personality with what they have in a relationship? How do you tell them, oh, you shouldn't combine those two together? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what I usually do is we talk about what life was like before the relationship. What are some activities that you truly enjoyed? Before you met this person, uh, did you like bowling? Okay. Well, have you? When's the last time you went bowling? Just, just you and a couple of your friends. That's another key piece. It's totally okay to have separate friends. She should have her friends. He should have his friends, or however the relationship is formed. Everybody should have their own group of friends, their own confidants, and merging friends to say we have to have couples friends now because we're a couple that's great but it's really okay to have your own support system too Hmm. do you see that as a really common trend Mm -hmm. when um a lot of clients and how um i well you already addressed how you would tell what you would tell them how go back in time what you do before sometimes when you tell your clients this do they look back and they're like wow i really enjoyed how it was before relationships do you do you tell them, oh, it might be best to have to separate ways if they enjoy what they had before the relationship? Not necessarily, because if we're talking about engaging in things that you, that person can use as self-care, mm-hmm. it's a way of expressing that, like we were talking about, that love for self. Taking care of yourself is a great way to do that. So if, if a person enjoyed a particular activity and their partner doesn't, it doesn't mean that you now have to give up that activity because your partner doesn't enjoy it. It's totally okay to say, okay, well, I'm going to stay connected to this activity because it's something that brings me joy. Hmm. If you would like to come with me, fine. But if you don't, I respect that and I'm going to do it on my own because that personal time just to engage in things that make you happy as an individual is really important. I see that um, after talking more about the difference between individualism and being with a partner, it made me think about maybe, I made me think that maybe insecurities is one of the big reasons we don't want to separate, we want to combine our individual lives with our romantic relationship. So, and that even goes back to self-love, self-care. Mm-hmm. Get, um, facing your insecurities, 
and working on them so that you can have those separate lives. And that, that's, that's really thought-provoking. I really appreciate you sharing that. So I want to jump back to that question, mm-hmm. but take the vice versa, versa of it. What are some things that your clients believe are really healthy for a relationship, but are actually really unhealthy for them? Um, doing everything together. Doing everything together. Um, I think it's amazing when you have a couple that are so compatible that they're just generally happy being in each other's company. And it, it's so great to see when they have the right foundation, the right level of trust and communication, that they're just comfortable together. Mm. And at the same time, they kind of have a tendency to lose their identity in the relationship rather than maintaining their identity and making it an asset in the relationship. Relationships for for me would be I bring to the table these qualities and these characteristics and the other person brings to the table their own qualities and their own characteristics and one shouldn't have to sacrifice for the other their own good qualities. Hmm. It's okay to be individuals and still in a relationship. Yes, I I really like that response a lot. And after uh, hearing it, it made me think about what an ideal relationship is. We always hear uh, stuff online about soulmates and that idea that there is a perfect person for us out there. What are your thoughts on that? Is there really such thing as a perfect relationship for us? Yes and no. There are relationships that can be very fulfilling and very healthy and meet a person's needs. And in that way, they feel perfect. But reality is we're human. We're flawed. Hmm. And we bring those flaws to the table in any relationship. No relationship is perfect. There are going to be things to overcome in every single relationship we have friendships, family, romantic, otherwise. And so recognizing that, that perfection's not attainable. It's great to try and work towards it, to understand these are the things in our relationship that we need to work on and do better at. Um, I know a, a big argument between a lot of couples that I see is equality as far as, as the household is concerned. Both work jobs. One comes home and that, and one tends to be more responsible for maintaining the household organization than another one. Um, and so that tends to be an ongoing argument is, I need help. Can you help me? I ask you all the time. Why aren't you helping me? And so that equality is, is something that needs to be worked on. Doesn't mean the relationship isn't good or healthy. It means it's there. Hmm. Because they are fighting towards some sort of equality, it shows that they care for one another, right? Exactly. And that's why they get, these guys come to you because they want that extra guidance to see how can they work it out because I'm, I'm thinking like having that outside perspective on your relationship with your partner can really be eye-opening because it can be, especially with a counselor, it's unbiased. They, he, he or she doesn't know the backstory of both individuals. Right. And when you have these counseling sessions, you have each uh, individual talk about their past experience to have a, like a better understanding of what you're working with? I try to. 
Um, it's really important that I know if there's um, patterned behavior. Um, is it something that you're repeating in relationships? And if you are and it's a problem, um, where's that pattern coming from? Where's it stemming from? Is it something that you learned, again, from the relationship model of your parents? Um, what did that look like? So couples counseling is more than just we're going to sit here and learn how to fight. It's really talking about past relationships and how those past relationships have impacted you. It's talking about family relationships and how those family relationships have impacted you. What did these relationships create in a person? What did they learn from them that's now present in this current relationship that could be problematic? What would you recommend to individuals uh, to open up more about their past? I know a lot, a lot of people, they're very uncomfortable about opening that shell inside and really opening up about their insecurities and being vulnerable in general. Is there like a certain uh, question you would uh, want my audience to ask their partner to have to start that conversation, to have that first, oh, this is what happened to me X amount of years ago. My dad did this to me. I didn't have a mom, stuff like that. What question should you ask your partner to start that conversation? Um, I don't know that it's a specific question to start the conversation. I think it's more of a feeling. If you have information that you feel like you need to share with your partner and it's really personal in nature, it's going to require some vulnerability on your part. The trust has to be present. And trust is built over time. that's why I said I don't know that I'd dump everything out on the first date because mm-hmm. you don't know this person and you don't know that you can trust trust them with that type of information. Um, but as you get to know a person and you spend time with them and you learn, are they trustworthy? And everybody has their own conceptualization of how to determine if someone is trustworthy. So I would allow anyone to use whatever you know method that they seek that they figure out is best for them because they've used it all their lives. How did you know to trust a sibling? How did you know to trust a friend at school? Um, How did you know to trust a teacher or a guidance counselor? Um, Those patterns of developing trust shouldn't be lost because there's an attraction to someone. Um, Those should always be present. Being vulnerable like that, it's just so hard. And I'm glad we're talking more about this vulnerability and insecurity because this is a very common theme. I, when we go on, online, you see all these self-help stuff. And you know, I'm glad that we're having this conversation about it. One, one final question I want to ask you before my overall final question is, how do you keep a healthy relationship over a long distance? Uh, yeah, that's tough. Um, long distance relationships. Uh, it, it requires, one, patience, lots of patience. Um, if you think about it, sometimes in long-distance relationships, there could be different time zones, um, so they may not be available when you are. Um, so it does require patience. Um, it definitely requires a lot of open, honest communication. Uh, if you're on opposite ends of the country, um, that communication is truly the form of affection that you have um, when you're talking to someone. And so what's the best way to show affection through communication? You've got to be willing to be honest and, and take a vulnerable position. And I know we keep going back to that, mm-hmm. but relationships are a practice in vulnerability. Can I do this? Um, and it's, it, you're right. It is scary. It is very scary to let someone in 
and let them see all the, you know, the intricate details of your personality and then run the risk of being judged. Hopefully, if you're with someone that you trust, that you're with someone that you determined is worthy of seeing that, you're going to get a good response. This this conversation in general is very heartwarming to me. Hearing all this stuff, it just makes me really happy to hear all this and how um, it really comes down to actually a, a couple handful of things. You, I usually think that relationships are just so complex and have so many parts. They are, but a lot of it comes down like to the fundamentals, the foundation, the trust, the ability to be vulnerable, stop being like perfectionist subcategory of that, and that's really heartwarming and. I really appreciate this conversation. Sure. And the last question I uh, I always love asking. I didn't put this on the list, but no worries. This this one question that I always ask. So, a paragon means a model of excellence, and that's what uh, my podcast is named, the Paragon Project, trying to help people become the model of excellence in their own lives. Mm-hmm. So, what characteristic or what does someone have to do to be a paragon in their life? Hmm, that's a good question. I think from from a counseling perspective, it's knowing yourself 100%. All of us have strengths, all of us have limitations. Knowing what those are and valuing those, regardless if it's a strength or limitation. Limitations are okay. All of us have them. It's normal. And accepting that as normal is a big piece of it. So know yourself. Be comfortable in your own skin. Hmm. I really, really appreciate this, Mary. I really appreciate this conversation. Sure. And I know like a lot of you guys listening out there in relationships, romantic or not, this is very valuable stuff. And it all, it all comes back to ourselves, how we take care of ourselves, how we love ourselves and stuff like that. So I really hope you guys um, take it all in, learn something from it. Let me know if – let me message me. Let me know if this brought you any value or – anything of that sort and also please share if you think someone else would uh, really really value this kind of episode also so thank you guys so much for listening and i hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day